Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Clay Maynard. I'm joined here by my co-host, Josh Johnson. Josh, how's it going, brother? Hey, man, it's going well. (laughs) Drinking my coffee. Great afternoon. Uh, See, I, I did not bring coffee and I've been here way too long already at the church and I'm wishing I'd brought coffee now. Speaking of food and drink, Josh, why is it always a good time to eat breakfast, no matter which meal of the day it is? That's a great question, but it literally is. Yeah. Who decided that that food was only breakfast food? Hmm. That's a great question. There is something about sitting down and having pancakes and bacon at like five o'clock in the afternoon that just <laughs> really hits the spot. I When I go to Cracker Barrel, for example, I cannot help. I do not order anything but breakfast food. No. I always want some eggs. I want that's them. because their other food is trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is part of it. But there, I I wouldn't know honestly. Maybe their other food is great. I have no idea because every time I go in there, I want that Cracker Barrel Country Boy breakfast that comes with yep. several meats. I want bacon and I want the biscuits and gravy and I want the eggs and if and you I, get the biscuits and gravy because around here at ours they ain't going to bring you the biscuits <laughs> or plates. Yeah, we've had to. I've had to give Cracker Barrel as a co- as a company a huge pass on our local yeah, restaurant because we struggle at the Panama City Cracker Barrel. But Cracker Barrel as a whole, I love it. Um, but breakfast food in general, mm-hmm. dude, we eat breakfast. My wife will be like, "Hey." We're kind of running low on groceries. Can we just do breakfast for dinner? And I'm like, "You're this is a, a perk. You're acting like we're running out of stuff. You can say that any night and I'm going to be excited. Here's a clarification though that we need to make. When you're talking about breakfast, you're talking about like breakfast. You're not talking about, hey, let's have breakfast or dinner and everyone busts out the cereal bowls and you have Captain Crunch. Yeah, I can go for that sometimes. I'm a big cereal fan, but it's I, I agree with you that it's not this. It doesn't have that same appeal. Cereal You're is all, meant to be consumed in the morning for some reason. To me, if you get home really late and it's like, we got to get to bed with the kids, just be like, ah, let's grab some cereal. Which that does. Yeah, that does kind of <laughs> hit the spot too. But there's something about, I'm a, I love French toast. You like French toast? Love French toast. There's something about going to Cracker Barrel, getting the mama's French toast breakfast. Like, oh man, it's just so good. Yeah. We, we uh, eat breakfast for dinner pretty regularly. And to my wife, it's like, oh, this is such an easy thing to throw together because it's just fry up some bacon and eggs and the whole family loves it. It's, oh, our, so it's like good. one of our favorite yeah. things. But I don't know who decided that that was breakfast food because I would eat that any time of the day mm-hmm. or night. Like I just... Ron w- Swanson. <laughs> give me all the eggs that you have. Yeah, give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. <laughs> no, I think it was last year on my birthday, I set out... Maybe it wasn't my birthday. Maybe it was. I set out that... Every meal I ate that day was going to be breakfast. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I accomplished it. I'm going to do it again this year. Isn't it, isn't it from the uh, Lord of the Rings where one of the hobbits are like, what about second breakfast? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I am not a nerd. Oh, you know, you're not, you're not cool enough to get the reference. And I, I can, I'm okay with it. You're cool in other ways, but okay. you're not cool enough okay. to get this reference. That's fine. Lord of the Rings is cool. I, it was, it was, it was a uh, Pippin or Mary, one of the, one of the two, uh, I know who those people are. They were one of the supporting Hobbit yeah. characters. Yeah, they are the... They're un- just troublemakers, mainly. obnoxious ones. Yeah, they're very insufferable. See? But aren't you proud of me? I, I am a little bit proud. That I know who those people it wasn't, are. It wasn't Gollum, and it wasn't and the Gandalf, bad, and the, you still knew who it was. The bad, evil things are orcs, right? Yes, that's See? correct. See? That's correct. I mean, you're, you're, you're coming along. And the, the elf's name is Gimli, is that right? Is he an elf or a dwarf no, or something like that? The dwarf is Gimli. Dwarf, yeah. The elf is Legolas. Yeah, elf is uh, Orlando Bloom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> wow. We're off the tra- so tracks here. Hey, tr- speaking of breakfast, true story. The day we got, my wife and I got married now over 10 years ago, we had a morning, a brunch reception, eggs, bacon, coffee, all the juices. We had a, uh, this crazy cereal and oatmeal bar. Hmm. We had an, we had an omelet bar. We had all this crazy stuff. It was amazing. Are you an oatmeal fan? Yes. Dude, you need to get, I, and I, I will, ever since we got one, I will swear on this until the day I die. You need to get an instant pot. It literally makes the best, creamiest oatmeal you will ever eat. And it's ever the pot, in your huh? whole life. And it's so simple. You don't even have to look at it. You put it in there, you hit the start button and it goes best oatmeal I've ever had. Wow. I swear. I ever. try it. And I'm an oatmeal guy. So to the listeners, this episode is brought to you by Instapot. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no I'm but joking. we do have a sponsor, Clay. We do have a sponsor. We are we're proud to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Audible. Uh, Audible is the home to thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, theatrical performances, and more. With Audible, you can listen to some of the hottest titles while you're driving, working out, or plunging toilets, as Josh <laughs> mentioned last episode. I actually listened recently, Josh, while I was working out. Uh, the gym is always a great time yep. for me to listen to things. Uh, it's just two in one. You know, you're exercising your body, exercising your mind. That's it just right. gets you fired up and going early in the morning. I was listening to uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, nice. which I read some years back, but he's just a brilliant, um, a brilliant Christian thinker historically. If you've not read C.S. Lewis, get just about anything he's ever written and, and read it because um, it's phenomenal. But if you want to take advantage of this offer, you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash youngbaptistpod to receive, get this, a 30-day trial. That's right. A 30-day free trial. That's www.audibletrial.com slash pod. And Clay, if they're already a Prime member and they sign up for this trial, they don't just get one audiobook credit. They will receive two nice. premium credits. So something to check out, 30 days. Go do it. You probably have an email address you haven't used yet. So take <laughs> it over that free there trial. and get that free trial. Josh, speaking of uh, stuff that we're doing for the podcast and ways to support the podcast, you just uploaded some brand new merch Merch, yep. to the store. Yep. And it is, if you know anything about the Young Baptist podcast, you might know that we're fans of The Office. Yep, that's right. And it is very Office themed. So for all of you Office fans out there, go check out our merch store. We've got some Pick special stuff just for you. And if you're part of the YBP small group... When you're listening to this episode, you will want to go check your inbox because you're going to have received a special email from us with a promo code for 50% off everything in our merch store. That's awesome. Just because you're part of the small group. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the small group, Josh. We're excited about that. You're going to get your first Ask Me Anything episode exclusive to the YBP small group only mm-hmm. at the end of this month. That's right. Yep. So we're excited about that. And I just thought of this, Clay. We've been meaning to say this the last couple episodes. But if you made a donation, a one-time donation, and you meant to be part of the small group, uh, we've had a couple donations come in that were just like one-time donations and not part of the exclusive subscriber content. If you didn't make that distinction, but you meant to, please contact us and yes. we will put you in the small group. Yeah, because Josh, if they if they donated, but they didn't click that exclusive button, we don't even know who it was that donated. Exactly. The money showed up, but we don't know who you are. So we so, thank you. 
Yes, thank we you. We are for, so thankful. But we want you to get the benefit yeah. of the small group if that's what you were going for. So please send us an email if you if you've not gotten anything from us and you and you want to be a part of that small group. Please send us an email now. If you and let us just know. wanted to give just to give, that's great as well, and we are very appreciative of that. But part of me kind of wonders, maybe they meant to sign up to be an exclusive subscriber, be part of the small group. And we don't want you to miss out on those perks. So contact us. We'll get you in that group so you don't miss out on any of those upcoming releases. Absolutely. Josh, we're talking about theology today. Yes, that's right. So excited about this. If you didn't hear our, our last couple episodes, we talked about bibliology and we spent an episode diving into the subject of Bible translations. Mm -hmm. So check those out. Today, we're talking about theology. Uh, which we're breaking down into, I mean, there's, this is a huge topic that of course, any of these topics, we can't really do full justice to in one episode, but what we want to focus on in theology, there's all kinds of issues of systematic theology and historical and biblical theology. What we want to focus today is today's episode on is theology in the study of God. Yes. Y you can track this to the study of God's working with humanity throughout history. This is all part of the broader subject of theology. But we want to narrow our study of theology today to God himself. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to break this down into three categories, the existence of God, the nature of God, and the attributes of God. Josh, I'm fired up about this because it is fun to talk about God. Yeah, it is. I was preparing for this episode and just preparing and typing and putting notes together. I was fired up already. You ready to do this? Yeah, and let's make a distinction here. It's important to note that with theology proper, as it's called, this is the study specifically of God the Father, because as you look at the core doctrines of our faith, you'll notice there's two other specific doctrines, Christology, which is the study of God the Son, and pneumatology, which is the study of God the Holy Spirit. That's the distinction we're making today, is we're going to look at God the Father. And Clay, there's those two questions that we always tend to answer, or we, at least now we do. What is theology proper and why does it matter? Because as we've been saying over the last several episodes, it's not enough to not just know what theology is, but why it matters for your life. Absolutely. So we have kind of started already, Clay, to define what theology proper is. It's the study of God, specifically God the Father. Where are we headed from here? So there's three things, the existence of God, the nature of God and the attributes of God. So first, Josh, the existence of God, what do we need to know? Well, there's a few things we can talk about here. And when you talk about the existence of God, you're sort of getting into apologetics in a way, uh, the defense of the faith and the defense of the existence of God. We are not going to get into an exhaustive list. And y'all, as you're listening to this, pray with us that we can get somebody on who would be able to speak to maybe some apologetic side of the defense of the existence of God. But it's interesting to note, Clay, the Bible in no way seeks to prove the existence of God. It assumes God's existence to be true. You see this in places like Genesis 1.1. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, Psalm 14.1, Romans 1, 18 through 20. It, it assumes that God existence is true. And there's four uh, distinct, there's probably more, but there's four we want to emphasize today, particular arguments for the existence of God. You have what's called the cosmological argument. It's the argu argument from cause and effect. So the universe exists, therefore the universe had to have a cause. That's where the cosmological argument is. And like I said, 
we're not really an apologetics podcast. So we're not really going to dive into the deep, uh, uh, what do you say? Underworkings of yeah, the how all that works. Of, yeah, of yeah, and everybody, by the way, agrees that the the universe had to have a cause. So, with in the absence of God, they pretty much just come up with other ways for the for the existence to have have happened, mm-hmm. for the existence of the universe to have happened. Right. And so they just are creating other mechanisms. You'll hear people refer to the God of the gaps theory, which is that anytime you can't explain something, you just insert God there. That's what they accuse Christians of. But the truth is, they have. They, have a, they still have a miracle of the gaps. So they don't want it to be God, but they still presuppose things that as far as we know in our nature and in our, in our world would be a miracle. So they all, everybody has their miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they would look at the virgin birth, for example, and say, that's, that's unnatural, that's supernatural, that's, that's a miracle. Uh, and I would say, well, I believe in the virgin birth of the son of God. You believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Pick your miracle. And that's basically the same argument. It's the cosmological argument. You believe it came from nowhere. Um, we believe it came from God, from a creative God. Yep. And then you have your teleological argument, which sort of follows with that, the argument from design that the universe displays a purposeful design, an orderly design, and it has to have been made. There must have been somewhere a designer. Um, and then you go into your ontological argument, an argument from being. And then finally, the anthropological or morality argument, which uh the fact that humans exist with intellectual self-awareness and morality must mean that there's a creator who possesses these qualities. So those are kind of four basic yep. arguments for the existence of God. Yeah, which is it? Which is sort of I feel like draws from the cause and effect argument too. The morality argument basically says there's no other explanation right now, and evolution fails dramatically in this in this way. Uh, to give a suitable explanation for the existence of love, of morality, our sense of justice. There's no, our higher level of conscience cannot be explained through evolutionary means because if it's just survival of the fittest, if it's just the strong eat the weak and the weak die off, there's really no argument for morality or our sense of justice and love. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the... The idea is that if there is a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. Correct. Is the idea. Or... It's just what you think versus what I think. It's just chemicals in our brains. Maybe, maybe there wasn't. What, maybe Hitler wasn't just wrong. We just didn't like it. Right. It wasn't wrong. But the moment you say the word "ought," you ought not to do that, mm-hmm. or you ought to do this. You have to support that with something better than you think so, yeah. or most people think so. And I think something we have to establish at the get-go as well is, um, whether you believe. God exists or you believe God does not exist, you accept that by faith because you've never, you've never laid your eyes on God. So you believe that by faith uh, and you can't dismiss that from the argument as well. Josh, I think the rest of our episode is really going to support this existence, this existence apologetic section. And this is why most people, the reason they don't believe in God is they're trying to judge him in a way that is not consistent with his nature. Mm -hmm. So they're expecting God to come to them on their terms to prove himself to them in a way that's antithetical to his nature. And I think so the rest of this, you're going to hear things about God in the rest of this episode that's going to explain to you maybe, or or not explain totally, but it might help understand why we don't relate to God the way that the agnostic or the atheist often want us to be able to relate to God. It's, it reminds me of when, um, when Khrushchev, when they finally sent somebody to outer space, he said, we went to space and God was not there. Well, 
he's trying to relate to God uh, how you'd relate to somebody who lives next door to you mm-hmm. or, or like somebody who's renting the apartment above you. Like we were going to go out to outer space and oh, there he is and find him. Right. That betrays a, a real deficit of, of information on what Christians believe about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. If you understood anything about the nature of God, even a very normal Christian hears that and goes, what are you talking about? Right. You were going to go to space and find God. Um, C.S. Lewis actually pointed this out and he said that it's, it's, uh, it's more appropriate to relate to God how Hamlet would relate to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Hamlet knows nothing about Shakespeare except what Shakespeare decides to write of himself into the story. And in that way, Shakespeare, in, in Shakespeare's creativity and in his person, he defines Hamlet's entire existence. But, but he exists outside of it. He's not subject to Hamlet's frame of reference. He's above it. He's over it. He's outside of it. So when we talk about the nature of God, it really helps understand the apologetics arguments, if that makes sense. Don't you think one of the big human problems, though, is that we want a God that we can understand and relate to? Of course. And so that's why even the stuff we're about to talk about, some people would reject it because can't get our mind around. Yeah. <laughs> really, It's like, the expectation that if there's a God, you'll understand him. Yes. But if he's, if you can understand him, it maybe he's not great enough for us to worship in the way that he But if you can, expects. if you can understand your God, who's really God, you or your God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the old thing. He is God and we are not. Yeah. So there's a, there's a tension there that you have to accept that you're not going to completely understand it. But, but it doesn't, Josh, this make it even more amazing, the incarnation. Here we are saying, is a God we can't touch, we can't understand, yeah. we can't fully grasp, and yet he made himself one of us. And I know we're yeah, jumping. Yeah, now we're getting into Christology. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead, but that's uh, rabbit but yeah, trail. that's true. But that's good. So the existence of God. So next up is the nature of God. There's several things we want to talk about with the nature of God. Um, let's see here. It looks like six in particular. First, God is a spirit. We know this. We read this in John 4. Now, we uh, will acknowledge, obviously, that at different times, especially in the Old Testament, um, you know, obviously, barring the incarnation of Christ here, God took on human form. We saw that happen as like Genesis 12, Exodus 33, different different instances when God took on human form. But God is a spirit. And somehow, God is also a person. <laughs> so here you go, mind bending. Uh, God is not simply a force or an influence. You may have even heard people use those kind of that kind of terminology when talking about God. He's he's the true and better force. Yeah, he, exactly. <laughs> that he he's like a force. Uh, some people would say like the universe made this happen. Kind of trying to talk about mm. some like overarching, just weird thing. life force or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but that's not God. He possesses. He possesses intellect, Isaiah 40, who can know the mind of the Lord. Right. Um, you know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He possesses emotion. Uh, it, 1 John 4, Psalm 79, and will, Hebrews 2, 4, James 1, 18. These are, these are uh, consistent about who God is. He is a person. Yeah, and, and it's important when, when Genesis says we're made in the image and likeness of God. It's not just abstract. It's very, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a very real image. As image bearers of God, we have a very real representation of who God is in ourselves, something that animals don't have. And so that, that means God is not only a spirit. He is a, God is a spirit, but he's not only a spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. What else, Josh? Uh, we also believe God is self-existence. He is the uncaused cause. And something that you got to remember about God, he needs nothing and no one 
this is kind of hard for us to understand because we are human beings built for relationship. Uh, and I understand that in a sense, so is God because of the Trinity, which we'll get into in a minute. But God doesn't, God did not create the world in all humanity because he needed us to be around. God is sufficient yeah. in and of himself. He desired us as a creator, but he did not, he did not need us. We have a lot of nerve to act like we are God's gift to anything. <laughs> we really do because God, he is, he is self-existent. He uncaused cause, he needs nothing and no one. He's also infinite. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He has no limits. He has no boundaries. All of his being and attributes are endless. There's a song that the group This Hope sings. Uh, you may check it out. It's called Edges. And it talks about how the things that we can see, the beauty of creation, they're just the edges of God's ways. They they are just the whispers of God's power because there's, they just pale in comparison to how magnificent and infinite God truly is. You, when you were talking about it, I was actually thinking of that song, Behold Our God. That's another good one. That's, yeah. That really speaks to that. He's also one. Go ahead. I was going to say sidebar. Do you believe those those references are pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus Christ? Are you talking about up top? Yeah, when we were talking about God uh, taking on human form. Um, Like Exodus, is this going in the episode? It's up to you. Okay. <laughs> I think Exodus 33... I was think, not. I think most all of them probably, yes. I think Exodus 33 was, was not. not. I agree with you on that. I think, like, for example, when he wrestled with Jacob. Like, I think the, mag, like the magnitude of that situation. Right. I think in, in when Jacob, when the angel, the, the references when God, uh, when the prophecies speak of the angel of the Lord coming as sort of a type of Messiah. And then when oftentimes in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord appears with a mm -hmm. capital A. I believe those are pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, kind I don't of a cool, have a problem with that kind at all. Kind of a cool study. But. Yeah. Um, God is one. There is only one God. Deuteronomy 6.4. Yep. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. James 2.19. The devils, uh, you believe there's a God, the devils also yeah, let you tremble. Yeah, there's one God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, God is triune. This is big. Yes. God is triune. One God exists in three persons. There is only one true God. There are three distinct persons, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. You see this, uh, Ooh, I hate to use this word. So forgive me. You see this manifested in <laughs> Matthew three, when Jesus is baptized, you have yes. God, the son, God, the father speaking and God, the Holy spirit descending in the form of a dove. Uh, the entire commission of the church is based upon the Trinity. Oh yeah. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, doing what? Baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So uh, the Trinity is ultra important. The Athanasian Creed said that we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another and that of the Holy Spirit still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. Uh, it's undoubtedly, in my opinion, the greatest mystery of Christianity. Is the Trinity. Is the Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, because God does not, God the Father doesn't have a physical body, although the Son did become incarnate. Um, and yet you see all throughout the scriptures them refer to each other as equals and as God. I know, I think about Zechariah even in that prophecy where, where God says to Israel, there's going to come a day when they're going to see 
and then they're going to look on me whom they have pierced. Like when did Israel pierce God? Jesus he's talking about. Jesus comes and says, um, these are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. Yeah. yeah. And, and he says to them too, they didn't kill him because he was a good teacher. They killed him because he said, uh, you, you've, you want to see the father? Ta-da. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Um, and so it's, it's a really incredible thing that we'll never wrap our heads around. No, no. But, but Timothy says it well, or Paul says to Timothy, God was manifest in the flesh. And so this, this, this idea is so crucial that Jesus is not subordinate to God. He submitted to God in his humanity as an example to us, but he thought it not, Paul says he thought it not Robert even made equal with God. So he, he took on the role as the son and submitted to his father as an example to us, but he is equal with God. And that's, that's something we can't really fully understand. No, but no. And um, God, God does not exist in three modes. Yes. Which is modalism. That's modalism, Patrick. Okay, Josh, we have to tell people. If, you, <laughs> if you're listening, you have not. Um, we'll put the link in the, the show notes to the YouTube video. Oh, that's perfect. Click this link to this YouTube video about the Trinity and it, it, it will bless you. It is literally hilarious. It's, it will bless you. It will show you all the, it'll actually educate you on all of the Trinitarian heresies all yeah. in one shot in a, in a humorous way. And so it's really great. I mean, this comes out a few days after St. Patrick's day and they're interviewing St. Patrick's in the video. So that kind yes. of works out. Oh, that works out great. Yeah. So you guys go watch this video in honor, modalism, Patrick. in honor of St. Patrick's day, go watch this video. After it's hilarious. You to this episode, yeah. If you haven't already seen it, but yeah, there's, there's all these, these false doctrines. Modalism is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and be very careful. I know this is hard to do, but when we talk about the Trinity, sometimes we like, Hey, it's like a football or it's like a, it's like a, it's like water. It can be ice or whatever. It's like, like a football. I've never heard that. You've never heard that? The, no. out, the outside pigskin, the inside tube, and then the air in the inside is the Holy Spirit. You've never heard this? No. Okay. My encouragement <laughs> to you is try not to do these things because <laughs> anytime you try to give an example, it actually, it, when you, on closer examination, it turns out. Like literally heresy <laughs> to be one of these ancient heresies that people have used to uh, tear apart the doctrine of the Trinity. So, yeah. So there, God is not three modes of existence, but that's modalism. God is not three separate gods. That's tritheism. Um, here at the Young Baptist podcast, we reject uh, the eternal subordination of the son. The son is not subordinate to the father. That goes back to the ancient er- heresy of Arianism. Yes. Um, I would highly recommend if you're listening, we'll put this in the show notes and on our bookshelf to read the book, the Trinity and introduction by Scott Swain. Um, I've heard Matthew Barrett's book, simple Trinity is really good. And one of my good friends, Logan Stewart, you can find him on Twitter, the tweeter. He is excellent on the Trinity. He doesn't listen to this because he's an Anglican, but, uh, uh, you can talk to him about the Trinity. He is a genius on that. I've had some combos with Logan. He's a good dude. Yeah. I had some great conversations Very with him. Very smart man. He really challenged me when we were going through our ordinances episodes. And he really, I learned something. Yeah. I, I, something. I learned a few things from talking to him. He's a, he's a really smart guy. And uh, if you're listening, Logan, props, bro. Yeah, dude. Shout out. Logan, if you're listening, <laughs> which that would be amazing. But if you're <laughs> listening, we need to get on Zoom again and chat about the Trinity. But here's what I want to say as we wrap up the Trinity, Clay. If you reject the Trinity, you are a heretic. There you go. The end. Get on. If you're, if you do not understand the Trinity, get on Audible and download these books we're talking about. Like this is, this (laughs) is something that church history and the church fathers, I mean, they, 
wrestled with it. They fought it. They went through all of this. It has been established as a core doctrine in orthodox doctrine of the faith. If you reject the Trinity, forget about it. Yep. Forget about it. You are a heretic. <laughs> so Absolutely. Lord willing, we don't have any heretics listening right and now. One, <laughs> and one of the things that immediately starts happening when people start messing with the Trinity, I feel like the, the one that gets attacked always, tell me if you've seen, noticed the same trend. And this is not authoritative. This is not some real study. This is just my experience. This is admittedly, it's anecdotal. But it always ends up going after Jesus. Yeah. When the Trinity starts getting broken apart, people immediately start discounting the place of Jesus in the Trinity. And First John warns us, Try the spirits. And what does it always point to? What does he say to point to when you're trying spirits? Whether or not they profess that Jesus is the son of God. Well, and I think Clay, it comes, oof, we're going to devolve here and it's horrible for our time, but <laughs> I think it comes down to, we take our understanding of what a son is and we apply it onto the Trinity. And I don't think that's accurate because we're talking about God, not you and your dad. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be careful with that. Yeah, I agree. We must hasten on, Clay, as we are reaching near the end of our time. <laughs> uh, finally, let's talk about the attributes of God. These are the qualities and characteristics that make God, God. First, he's eternal. He has no beginning and no end. Mm -hmm. We struggle with this. We don't understand it. Everything we know has a beginning and an end. So we struggle with that. But God is eternal, no beginning, no end. God is omniscient, which means he knows all things. The Bible says there is everything is naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God is also omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. David says in the Psalms, where can I go? You know, to hide, basically, where can I go from your spirit? How can I, how can I escape your presence? I'm paraphrasing, but he says, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a great comfort that God is always with us. God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful, all power. There is no end to his power, meaning it doesn't even take effort for him. It's not effort at all. The Bible says his hand spans the heavens. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. Next, God is immutable. Immutable means he is unchanging. He never changes. Malachi 3 says, I am the Lord. I do not change. Mm -hmm. Hebrew says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is also sovereign. He has sovereignty, which is, means that he is judged by no one and has absolute authority over the entire universe and everything in it. And his sovereignty is expressed in many ways but it means that all of his ways are right. Psalm 145, 17 says the Lord is, is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And whether or not we believe him to be fair is irrelevant. We are unfair, flawed, bent creatures marred by sin. By definition, we are. He is not. He is God and we are not. Yep. So uh, he is sovereign. Next, he's holy. God being holy means he's set apart. And God is clearly set apart, apart from his creation based on his nature and his attributes. Holiness, I believe, Josh, is really the foundation of all the other aspects of God's character. Revelations 15 says of God, you alone are holy. Hmm. Revelations 4 says that the four living creatures who sing to God day and night are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Uh, and it's God's holiness that makes him a consuming fire that will judge the earth in sin. That's interesting you say that, Clay, because I do not believe God has a, an attribute that undergirds any of his others. Really? Yes. Okay. That's but we're about to talk about it, actually, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you in a sense. I believe that everything is interconnected. You can't separate one from the other, really. 
but I, I, I see, I see to be like God is to be holy like him and to be holy like him is to have all of the other attributes in the measure and in the affect that he has them, not effect, affect. Like we, we move in those attributes like God to the degree that we are holy like him. Does that make some sense? Yeah. What you're saying makes sense, but I just don't believe that he has one that undergirds the rest. Yeah. I I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. It seems, it seems logical that everything seems to flow from his, from his holy, his holiness, but I can, I'm not mad at you for that. Because, well, and that's where the simplicity of God comes in, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but he's a mute, uh, contradiction on the podcast. (laughs) God is faithful which I think flows a little bit from his immutability because he does not change. You know there that the Lord is faithful. Um, second Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. How about this, Josh? God is just flows from his righteousness, but God is just the, the Bible says he is our rock. His way is perfect. All of his ways are just as Deuteronomy chapter 32. God is glorious which means he is beautiful and great. God is merciful, which means he does not visit the iniquity of people on them mm-hmm. in, per, in, always, in always a, a way that they have earned. He is merciful. I love what Jonah says about God. He says, for I knew when he preached in Nineveh and they repented and he was mad, he said, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. What a great description of God, which brings us God is gracious, meaning he lavishes good things on those who don't deserve it and who have not earned it. God is love. First John four says this repeatedly. God is love. This is a good argument for your, for your argument that no one attribute outshines the other because there's very few things. God is a lot of things, but a lot of those are adjectives and love is not just an adjective. Love is an action. Love is a, is a concept. And it says that God is that thing. The truest understanding of love is to understand the nature of God himself. Mm-hmm. So he defines love and not the other way around. We don't judge God by our conception of love. God himself is love. And lastly, I would say God is good. Mm. Yeah. This is maybe one of my favorites. You know, recently that song came out, The Goodness of God, and has been really popular in virtually all camps. Everybody loves that song. And I love that song just because people really love to be reminded of God's goodness because they've lived it. They've experienced it. It's easy to remember that God is good when things are going well, but it's a little more difficult when things aren't going so well. But here the psalmist says, 30, Psalm 34, 8, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So he, he wants us not just to know that God is good. He wants us to experience it. Mm-hmm. That's what taste means. That's sensory language. That's not just a head knowledge. That's lived experience. And I'm telling you, if you get to, the closer you get to God, the more you get to know God, you will see his goodness in all of your life. That's right, Clay. And then uh, just real quick, I want to kind of quickly talk about the simplicity of God. This just simply means that there is no distinction between God and his attributes or his nature, which in other words means God does not possess qualities or attributes. He is those qualities and attributes. Yeah, our faithfulness in those attributes should be judged by God's nature. Even people who sometimes don't understand God and in our sinfulness and in our his way, we talked about it earlier, his ways are higher than ours. It can be easy to try to judge God's actions, but in doing so, we're judging him by, we're judging him by looking at our own attributes, which are mere shadows. What we should be doing is judging our understanding of those attributes by God's character first. Right. You have to remember all that is in God is God. 
all that is in God is God. So if God is holy, that is because he is God. If God is love, that is because he is God, because all that is in God is God. That's crazy. That's wild. Because I can be loving and kind and gracious to people, but those are not always who I am. Um, and they don't always define me, but God can never not be these things. Right. That's why I said earlier. That's perfect. That's why I said earlier, I don't necessarily believe that there's one attribute that outshines them all because God is all of those things always and everything that he is, he always is completely. Yeah. So you could say to the degree that we have those things in our life, we are representing the image of God in us mm -hmm. to the degree that we do represent those well. Which some of the attributes of God are communicable attributes. They're things that a human being can possess. And then there's obviously some that are non-communicable, like you can't be omniscient, right? you know? Uh, but even those communicable attributes, you cannot possess them perfectly because as you've said multiple times, he is God and we are not. Yep. And we have to remember that. So Clay, why does any of this matter? It matters, first of all, because knowing and studying theology proper helps, it elevates our view of God. Yeah. Knowing and reminding ourselves of the attributes and the nature of God, it elevates our view of God, gives us a greater appreciation for his greatness and for the things that he is. And we haven't like read a lot of scripture today. Like we've referenced some, some um, different references, obviously, but I'd really encourage you to, to read Isaiah 40 after listening to this and read it slow and think about it. And I know it's all anthropomorphic language, but man, it's amazing when you, mm -hmm. when you read. I think it's personally, I think Isaiah 40 is one of the most beautiful word pictures of the magnitude of God. Uh, read it, go pick it up and read it and let it be encouraging to you that this great magnificent God is the one that gives you strength at the end of the pa yes. chapter. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. And there's so many Psalms that I could reference to. Psalm, David does a really great job in Moses in some of those Psalms. Their descriptions of God's greatness and, and their worship of him is amazing. Asaph, some of his Psalms are, are incredible. So read through, read through the Psalms is, is a, will be a great primer to helping you um, understand more and more about the, the nature of God. Which is another reason to study theology proper because it drives us to worship. That is the, one of the ultimate responses when you see how great God is, yes, you have to worship him. And, and so knowing, having that elevated view of God and humble, humbling in that to, to know that he still wants a relationship with us, that will drive you to worship, which oh, that, yeah. is, that is the goal. That's really the end goal of all things is to honor and glorify God. Revelations 4 says the reason we were made was to please God. The chief all end of, of all man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And so this, this, uh, everything we do is about the worship of God. If you think, oh, what about evangelism? Evangelism exists. Missions exist because there's places on the earth where God is not worshiped. Mm -hmm. Everything is about the honor and glory of God. So this is why theology matters. This is why understanding, knowing more about who God is matters because it drives us to have a greater, an, an elevated view of who God is and it drives us to worship. There it is, Clay. There it is. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.